Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. Do you treat your website like a program? I sat down to speak with Rami Nagy, Webby award-winning designer and the founder and creative director of Medeo Studios. Medeo is a creative studio with a focus on social impact. They partner with nonprofits and socially focused brands. Clients include the Equal Justice Initiative, Innocence Project, Levi's, the NBA, and the Smithsonian, to name a few. On this episode, we talk about the importance of treating your website, brand, and communications like any other life-saving program your nonprofit operates. Let's dive in. The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world. We set out to raise $1,000 to help this person, um, but we had no idea how to fundraise. Then you're doing it wrong. Okay. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. Who is this girl and what's the thought process when you're like, do I include a nickel? And it snowballs like any peer-to-peer campaign. The more people that view this content, the further and further it grows. The community raised $55 million in 2019. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Hey, Rami, thank you so much for joining Nonstop Nonprofit. We are thrilled to have you on the podcast today to talk about your uh, expertise in all things website and digital for nonprofit organizations. So thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Before we jump into your company, Medea, I would love to learn a little bit more about yourself and why you started the company in the first place. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I was a creative director already working with a number of nonprofits. And one of the things that I noticed is just the relationship around work with so much around a specific project, whether it's creating a website or a specific campaign. But what was really missing is kind of establishing a team that becomes like your genuine partner to be working with on a roadmap with nonprofits, which is something that I personally thought was really needed. And that if you really want to be a successful nonprofit, you really need to be kind of constantly planning and changing things, depending, uh, especially with your website, with your brand, and not just do it one time. So created Medeo. Medeo means something that is full and integrated. And basically, that's what we try to do. We have a, a team of strategists, of designers, of developers. And we, the whole point is that we become a true partner to clients and be able to kind of experiment and plan together and actually work beyond like a single project. And it's been so interesting so far. It sounds like you're not, you're obviously, you're not just building amazing websites. You're coming in full service, providing strategy oversight around maybe campaigns, marketing, helping organizations really take their their brand and their marketing to the next level. Is that is that the right way to kind of think about your your services? Yeah, big picture, we really care about how do we help organizations engage better with people? How do we get to make it as easy as possible for people to understand what an organization is about, why their mission matters, why they are the right ones to be tackling that mission, and to hopefully inspire them to take actions, like signing up to something, making a donation, uh, doing something that's concrete. And all that kind of work for anybody working in a nonprofit, whether it's on the comps team or uh, online fundraising, they probably could tell by now that this work is, is, is very connected. Um, So it helps to have your strategists, your designers, your web developers all working together uh, in collaboration with with everyone else on all these things that are connected. Because if you have a great campaign, but your website 
sucks or it doesn't work, then you just kind of, it, it, it's lost there. Or if, if everything is great, but your brand is super confusing, then it doesn't work. And so totally. uh, that's kind of the talents that we've brought together onto the team and our process is to be that kind of multidisciplinary and, and be working across from building a brand to how to engage people with that brand with, through the website and the company. In a few minutes, I'm really looking forward to get more into that brand conversation because as you're, you're well aware, and I, I spent uh, 12 years also in, in the nonprofit space and so many nonprofits just don't prioritize uh, their brand or their story uh, and think in some in some regards that it's too expensive to to prioritize, which I think is is obviously a big mistake. You mentioned before starting Medea that you were a creative director at you know a number of nonprofits. What what got you interested in working in the nonprofit industry altogether? That's probably like a, a, another podcast for us to get into okay. and a much longer story. But I was from like age ten. I was I got kind of into involved. My had my older brother had 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 been to kind of first year of, uh, of the Camp Siege of Peace, which is an international organization that brought uh, teenagers from the Middle East from Arab countries in Israel, and I'm originally from Egypt, to come together to Maine to meet one another and kind of be the potential future leaders that get to resolve conflict in the Middle East. And so that was my older brother. I was 10 years old. Eventually, I got involved and actually traveled to Israel when I was 10, which was something kind of uh, very uh, unusual for a 10-year-old to begin with. And then I kind of got involved with that organization specifically later on. By age 16, I was like giving talks with Bill Clinton uh, at Carnegie Hall and kind of campaigning in in the U.S. for their support. And then I kind of and then got involved with other organizations just and and then I think I just recognized that my personal interest was more on uh, design and storytelling. Uh, I felt that it's much more worthwhile to be doing that on things that I care about and things that are that are that are just uh, meaningful when you kind of put your heart and soul and your every day into the work that you do. So professionally speaking, got into balancing that between how to become a, a good designer and then a good storyteller, good creative director eventually. But at the same time, how do you do that for the things that you care about and want to see succeed? So it, it seems like that sort of commitment to wanting be, to be good at your craft has really paid off for your clients. Recently, uh, you guys won a, a Webby Award. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about that award and the significance uh, for your client and obviously of course for, for Medeo being behind you know the design and strategy of, of the organization it's funny there's a lot of, of agencies that you know kind of prioritize awards as a thing and they kind of spend a lot of their time and energy into submitting their work into awards investing a lot of money into that we do not have that culture i mean we we uh, a lot of the work that we do with our clients is not really through people that hear about a certain award but those particular projects that we worked on i mean the we we had two of them that were submitted and thankfully both got nominated and one of them won uh, one was the main website for innocence project and the other was the main website of the equal justice initiative both of these projects were just so substantial and we were so proud of them. And we wanted to specifically, we only really submitted them for the Webbies, not for anything else. And why I think they're important is because the Webbies is, is really celebrating kind of the best of the internet. And I think that in and of itself is important because it's highlights. It's not something that's just for people within the industry to get to know about it. It's really 
elevating websites in the nonprofit space to be an equally important part of the internet, as you would with YouTubers, all kinds of other fields of, of things that happen on, online. So we thought that if they do win, or even if they just get no nominated, that it would be great spotlights on, on these organizations. And we're exciting to see that. I think it's also kind of just in the, it's a validation, I think, as, as well in, in the industry to people to recognize that websites do matter. <laughs> you yeah. need to evaluate them. Judges look at them. Uh, people award them an international, uh, the Webbies are kind of, you know, according to the New York Times, it's like the highest uh, honor on the internet or kind of, they're usually called like the Oscars of the internet. But at any rate, it's cool. Uh, it's good yeah. to see that that kind of recognition and, and, and for some, something like that to get that kind of validation. Well, yeah, again, I mean, congratulations to you and the team because it's, it's, that's no small task and, and the fact that you guys had two of your clients and in fact, one, one of them, a mutual client, uh, Innocence Project, and it's been amazing to see and, and I attribute this to their strong ability to market what they do through email, through their beautiful you know, web design. They're a, a top performer in, in, in regards to online fundraising you know, across our clientele and definitely attribute just to the beautiful site, the way that it's laid out, the way that they tell their story, the way that they draw users in to want to be involved and engage and, and to convert um, to an actual donor is very impressive. And so kind of transitioning or not transitioning, but to piggyback on, on that, you know, you guys don't work exclusively with, with nonprofits. You work with some, some major brands, Levi's, NBA, et cetera. What sort of learnings do you take from big brands like that? And how does that inform your approach with nonprofits? Is there any sort of parallels there? A lot of times what you find in the nonprofit space are uh, agencies that are exclusive to nonprofits. I love that you guys are working right. kind of across industries because I think there's a lot to learn probably both ways, but would love to know if, if you found any sort of insight from working with major brands and applying that to nonprofit organizations? A ton. I mean, and it's true. It, this was is very intentional. And we have this conversation all the time on, on the within Medeo is do we just want to complete? I mean, we majority of our work is with nonprofits. So do we just want to work with nonprofits? And I think it, it's been intentional uh, from day one. And I think it's useful for us to continue to do that, that we get to learn outside of the nonprofit space. I think there's definitely lessons learned in terms of working with brands like that. If it's not even on just like some aspects of the process and kind of value behind things around testing and validating things. I think it's it, at the end of the day, when, when you think of it from the perspective of your potential donor, potential supporter to a nonprofit, they're not exclusively interacting with nonprofits. They're interacting with brands it, probably even more than interacting with nonprofits, right? They're shopping online. They are using apps. They're using something like Facebook or Instagram. All these are digital experiences and people can't distinguish and say, well, okay, now when I go to a website and it's a nonprofit, I'm going to excuse them for how that is like. Hmm. And that actually is something that, you know, people are, you just, you just in your browser, you are flipping between a website or a product that has 5,000 people behind it and billions of dollars. And then you go and you're interacting with someone, maybe with a team of two people and no budget at all. And you're just interacting back and forth and you can't tell the difference. And, and, and you can't tell the difference that that's what's behind it, but you can firsthand tell the difference if something is wrong or if they're not on the same level. So I think it was very important for us to continue and, and, and still is to continue to work with for-profit brands that are doing good work, but also push us on our standards and, and validate that what we're doing is, is an industry uh, standard and above, and that we bring that those lessons learned back to nonprofits, which is awesome. When we talk about 
everything from how from a user experience to the brand itself and everything else uh, that, that goes along with it. There was a, a report that came out a few years ago on kind of like the state of user experience on nonprofit websites. And it was specifically sort of looking at like conversion, like user conversion to donors. And it found that like over 42% of web users didn't donate because they didn't trust after visiting the website, didn't trust the organization because of, of how it presented themselves, you know, online and so forth. Exactly what you're talking about, you know, going from, from Levi's to, you know, name a nonprofit. What is that, what is that difference in, in experience? So it sounds like you would agree that nonprofits should care just as much about their digital experience, their website as for profits. But why do you think there still is so much pressure or so much, it's such a, it's such a big task for a marketing team at a nonprofit to get the executives on board with whether it's the expense side of building a nice website, the strategy of a, of a digital, nice digital presence. Uh, what are some of the objections that you guys see or have to overcome as it relates to nonprofits and, and, and websites and digital presence? It might sound weird and, and people might think, well, because I work in this industry, that's why I'm saying uh, what I'm about to say. But the, I really do think nonprofits should care even more uh, than for-profit companies about their, their brand, about their website specifically. When you think about it, if you are a big, if you're a major brand, you, the website is just one piece of what you get to spend your money on and invest in. But you also have maybe ads on TV or a, a significant uh, budget of ads o- online. You have a huge budget maybe through events. I mean, COVID-19 aside, you, you'd, you'd be spending a lot of money on events, even nonprofits as well. But like you spend a lot of money on a lot of other things. And people will know your brand through a lot of different ways. But when you're a nonprofit, having a website when you think about it in, the, in those terms, that your website is kind of has fa- thousands of people coming across, uh, coming through it. it. The only parallel maybe for a nonprofit is the size of their gala, and and it's not even a size of a gala. Sometimes it's like a football stadium of people that are coming to you. So in that sense, it's, the, it's kind of the most efficient way for a nonprofit to be engaging with that number of people on that scale and without having to rely on staff being there in the room every single time. I mean, every you know development of a person that spends their day on the phone and talking to potential donors or potential partners, if, if they get to have better conversations and let the website do the heavy lifting of the initial kind of uh, introductions and awareness about what the brand is about, what the organization is about, then it's just like a, it's a very smart way to approach it. I think to your point, why do we have still a lot of, you know, nonprofit executives or just in leadership that approach it just as a cost or as an expense? I think generally speaking, that's an issue within the nonprofit space of kind of people being very self-conscious about investing they uh, investing to begin with. I think like the, the culture that if every dollar that you get, you're not directly spending it on the, the programmatic work that you're doing, then you're not really efficient in a certain way. But I think it takes an investment and kind of a really a vision then. And that's when you rely on really wanting to partner with great nonprofits with that kind of vision that you, sure, you can you know, spend every dollar on, on, through directly to, to the work that you do, but maybe you'll always be stuck only being able to help 10 people at a time. But if you were to invest in your infrastructure and all, all this kind of these different types of work that are intended for you to be able to scale your work, to do, to do bigger and, and, and better things, 
then you're, you're sure it's going to be a little bit more expensive at, at first, but you're going to be able to help not 10 people, but 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. And I think that's the kind of strategic vision that is so important. And I think, you know, all of us need to just continue to talk to leadership at nonprofits and, and, and kind of try to educate and inform about the value and importance of this digital work, which is people just don't feel it when there's like, if, if there's 100,000 people go through your website, it's not the same if they look out their window and there's a hundred thousand people in front of them that are that are supporting them. So it just it takes that kind of conversation and education to, to visualize it. Totally. And what's fascinating to me is if you if you like compare a nonprofit that's doing phenomenal work that their product is is saving lives or the environment or, you know, animals, whatever it might be, it's something that, that like most humans would feel good about supporting, right? Like they'd like, this is, and they have this product that they could market in such an effective way because it's so real. It's so compelling. In many cases, you would spend your disposable income on giving to an organization versus buying something if the story was told properly, if the story was presented in a way that Apple presents their products, right? Like that's, I think that's, that's so important. And, And you hit the nail on the head in terms of you know just the the investment mentality that is such a uh, a problem that has plagued so many nonprofits a, a board that I sit on uh, we have a very visionary CEO uh, her name's Hannah Song and she really understands that investments in storytelling lead to just greater impact and uh, so two years ago at, at a gala she really wanted to bring the audience she wanted the audience to understand what it would be like to live in North Korea and so she hired this this film crew. And it was it was an expensive project, but it was one of the most powerful you know representations I've ever seen. And as a result, uh, you know, over a million dollars was raised that night. And so, if you're looking from an investment perspective, that's like ten to one, right? Like for every dollar invested in that video, you're going to return ten on that. And so, if we can help nonprofits understand, you know, when you make a good investment in something, uh, whether it's video or digital, revenue can follow very quickly from it. Everyone in nonprofit needs to remember is that. When they're when people spend their money on a product, they're getting a product back. You know, you're buying you're if you're buying sneakers, you're getting the sneakers, right? Yeah. But if you're giving money to a nonprofit, you're not getting anything in that sense back. Maybe like feeling good about it. So really, then there there needs to be even so much more emphasis on the value of your brand and your story because that is what they are people are connecting to to, to support you on that work. And I mean that, that's a great story about North Korea. I think often more than not, unfortunately, is if they do end up spending and they don't raise the million dollars, right? What happens next shouldn't be that, okay, see, we should not be spending anything at at all. Let's just retreat, retreat. I think what they should be doing is asking, okay, let's debrief. What did not work about it this time? Should we try something else? And I think that's the culture that that people should not also be embracing um, so that they, they don't just drop they don't only just support the things that just worked once and, and kind of shy away from trying something new that might not work. Totally. Yeah. Not everything you do on the brand side or the digital side has to drive revenue, right? There's, there is a huge significance in awareness, building up your base, building up your tribe, investing in your tribe. 
uh, so that when when you do have a very clear you know call to action or when you do need to raise support for something specific you have already a trusted base of people who you know who will support you and who will follow what you need so i think that yeah you're absolutely right it doesn't always have to be immediate donations to follow something on the brand side 100% i mean i think a lot of times this is just on that point something that's so specific to nonprofits is that like annual cycle you see it too unfortunately too often where you have nonprofits that realize before their end of year fundraising that now they need to have brand awareness. Now they need to increase their, their, you know, their audience so that they now can, you know, within the same week or two weeks, get to do a successful end of year fundraising campaign. But the reality is January, if your year starts then, this is when comms should be focusing on how do we grow our audience? How do we grow and tell people and educate them and inform them and raise awareness throughout the year? So that by end of the year, if that's kind of like your cycle, you have people that know what you do, care to support you. And when you say, when you actually have a call to action, they, they're actually ready to take that action. So, and, that, and that's why the, the collaboration and just like, work between communications and, on, and online fundraising is so important. It's so, so important. And a lot of the times of, in our work, we focus almost just as much on talking about how do these teams work together throughout the year. Uh, we even go into the details of like, do we have cross department meetings and calls and all these things to make sure that you have that infrastructure. Otherwise, it's never going to be kind of like a a, a silver bullet, uh, uh, you know, of, of just one project, one event, one website, one campaign that's going to make or break something. Totally agree. So I want to move on to a couple tactical questions. In any podcast we do like to give out like free advice to nonprofits. Some of these questions might be a little bit broad. Uh, so feel free to kind of go in whatever direction you feel makes the most sense. But maybe like starting out, what's the most important things for a nonprofit to consider when building a new website? Like what, what, are, what would you say are the must haves of, of a good website? I would say, and this might answer might be also equally kind of feel broad, but it's but it's but it's very honest. I mean, the 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 way we think of it at Medeo and, and the way I think of it myself is that you really need to uh, to have a great website. Think of it less as a project, and think of it even less as a as a as an asset or as a property, and think a lot more of it as a program, just as you do with all your other programs in, in your organization. And it's it's. It might sound like a cop-out answer, but it's a very, very, very true answer in the sense that someone might hear, oh my God, this is, this sounds like expensive. That it sounds like we're not going to just make, build a website that's great and it's expensive and then put it aside. It sounds like you want to continue to be spending money on this website. And it's money aside, it's just, it's great websites are really the outcome of looking at it as the culmination of everything that the organization does as your digital presence. So really, really a great website serves a lot of different purposes and not just online fundraising in that sense. It could be a great tool for recruiting that your best talent. That's why we partner with HR teams within the nonprofits and talk about their hiring goals, things that reflect about the culture, all these things. The same goes obviously for their events program or programming or like the, what they're actually doing. Sometimes, you know, people are applying to these services. Maybe they're in the education space. Maybe they're in a lot of spaces where the people that they serve, the people that they're helping are also the people that are using the website for one thing or another, whether applying to something, filling out something, totally. learning directly through the website. So it needs to be this 
intersection of, of all the departments in that sense. And if it's approached that way from day one, when you're re- considering kind of a redesign of the website, and if it's approached that way on an ongoing basis, where every quarterly meeting you have with your leadership, or whether it's monthly or, or, or whenever that is, the website becomes one of the items that you actually bring up and talk about, just as you would with everything else that's happening across the organization. That's how you ensure that it continues to be relevant and continues to be better. That aside as an approach, you know, there's a lot of kind of, I think, at least some basic guiding principles that, to make sure that your website is actually successful and is good. One of the first things at Medeo when we work with clients, we're very much about the user first. We're going to be kind of accommodating a lot of different needs, you know, voices, personalities within the organization. But we think of users and people first. In that sense, you want to make sure that your website is accessible. You want to make sure that the website is, in that sense, do you have an intentionally good experience on mobile as you do on desktop uh, or, or and, and vice versa? Are you accessible and inclusive in that sense to people that have slower internet and also upgrading your experience for those that have faster internet? One of the things that kind of have been, you know, year over year is getting more and more attention is, accessibility from the perspective of ADA compliance, the same way in physical buildings to make sure that people are, that buildings and structures are are accessible, that websites are accessible for people who have color blindness, for people that have, uh, or other visual, visual impairments and rely more on actually having the website to be connected to a device to read the text. On one hand, you can approach it as compliance. I just need to do this so that I, I don't get in trouble. And a lot of people have been getting in trouble in the sense of people demanding that their websites be accessible to them. But I think it's just also reflective of the organization's culture. Like, do you want to be an organization that is inclusive uh, or do you want to be an organization that's not? So these are kind of like the found, some of the foundational things that we make sure are there when we approach a project. And I definitely invite people to be looking at them and proactively looking at them, not just when they hear about it after the fact. I love what you said in the beginning about organizations should treat their website like a program, not just another domain or asset. And organizations that have highly effective programs also have teams for monitoring and evaluating you know, the, the success of those programs. Are they accomplishing what they were designed to accomplish? So how do you go about helping organizations understand sort of the success of their site? It's not just obviously about donations, but what are some other metrics that you look to? And it's probably different per organization, but how do you help organizations understand the effectiveness of their digital presence, specifically their website. To that point, yeah, it is different organization to organization. There are some kind of more health check kind of uh, monitoring that we we do on a you know when we're we're engaged to, on, a, on an ongoing basis, or at least we invite the kind of the organization's uh, staff to be to be doing that. Things like just even ongoing basis to be checking performance of the site, some things that kind of just ensure that the website continues to be just as accessible, just as functioning, uh, looking at things like Google Analytics on a monthly basis, at least, if not more frequently, you're going to have that in terms of like the data will, will, will show you something. I think it gets to be more interesting, you know, when you have things like just one person, for example, going through the site. So it's not maybe your traffic hasn't spiked or something, but then they, because of it, they then made a, a, a large donation. So you have to, can't look at just one number and ignore the rest. You have to kind of have a, a full story. One of the things in terms of, of having it as a program in that sense is just even having the communication that happens on an ongoing basis 
that also captures the things that are much more anecdotal from, let's say, development. When sometimes we've designed and developed and launched uh, campaigns and the online fundraising components, when you were reported on it at the end of the day through the, that campaign in of itself, maybe at some point, I remember that, and it was low. The organization had hoped that they would raise maybe $10,000, but it was, they raised $6,000. But then because of that conversation on a going basis, we actually heard that, you know, they heard from a number of donors offline. They saw it online and then wrote like a $50,000 check for the organization. That does not get captured when you yeah. are doing that kind of evaluation. But that's how life happens, right? Yeah. Like you don't, it's not like a, the, the nonprofit executive director is sitting with someone and, and they bring out a checkbook on the table. And I met with them and I came back with, with cash. I mean, life doesn't happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Life doesn't happen like that. But for some reason, people kind of look at websites or digital KPIs or kind of digital indicators like that, where they just look at it in and of itself. And I remember that also in the, in, in the relationship of like three years ago with social media, when people will just look at Instagram and say, well, nobody's donating on Facebook or Instagram. Why should we care? You know, so maybe we should drop it. And then the story obviously changed significantly over the last couple of years when, when, when that, when Facebook kind of increases donations and all that. So the specific kind of KP, like performance, like kind of indicators that, that we would be looking at, we're not as much looking at if you're just in charge of the website, it, you shouldn't put too much pressure on how many people are then visiting the website because then that's going to be external. Like there are some components to your SEO, how, how optimized the website is to bring people on in and of itself. But that's why you need to rely on other programs like your email program, your social media program, press, other things that are going to bring people to know about the website and visit it. We care a lot about then when people land on your website, what is happening? One of the indicators for you to, for, for, that I invite people to look at is, is, you know, time spent on the page and how many pages did they visit? Did they, this is tricky when you're just looking into abstract. Maybe your page is so good that people need quick information that visiting one page was good enough. But if it's the type of nonprofits where people get to learn about an issue and go deeper and deeper into layers, you want to be looking at that. If you're seeing that people are visiting your, your site and 90% of them go somewhere that is clear that they're intended to kind of learn about something or take an action, but majority drops off in the middle of that kind of journey, that's clear that that's what they started with the intention to do, then you have something wrong there. So then you look at that and you say, okay, now they're dropping off in the middle or dropping off at this point. And again, that's like a very fix-it mentality. And, and, and we use that in terms of making sure things are fine. But there's the flip side as well of kind of a, a missed opportunity mentality or looking at Google Analytics or looking at the numbers proactively to ask, for example, if you're going to have, let's say an article, this is a made up example, but it's very relevant with similarities to a lot of nonprofits. Let's say that you're, you put a lot of effort, you publish things on your blog. And then the question is, are you looking at like on a monthly basis or some reporting to see which blog posts did well, which blog posts did not do well? And to see the ones that did well, to kind of have lessons learned offline then to think about was it the structure, was it the title, was it the length, was it the topic, was it the time that we published it? Let's learn from that and that, let that inform how we write our blogs in the future. Or maybe that your blog post in that sense is brought in a lot of people and the, 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 your articles have to do about your mission and your work. Are you having CTAs that somewhere on that blog that actually is making an ask for donations? You know, like if you're, you, people are there, they're reading your article, yeah. they're very engaged, they want to learn about it. Are you then taking that opportunity, 
not because something is broken, but to kind of take that opportunity and make best use of it. So I think it's, it's that proactive ongoing, and that's the kind of thing you can't do in the span of a project when you launch and then just be hands off. I think that's the kind of thing where you need to be constantly engaged in what topics are people are paying attention to. 2020 is a great year for that. You can see how the topics are, are people are kind of get fo fo so focused uh, this year on, on specific topics. So you, this is when you need to realize that you need to equally adapt yeah. to, to, to what's going on. Totally. I loved what you said also about, and I talk to nonprofits that are all the time say the reason why they don't prioritize like online fundraising or online ads is because uh, it doesn't drive enough of a return, but it can be really hard to attribute uh, a donation, you know, to maybe a specific ad or even your website, because if someone does take that action offline, there's no way of knowing. Uh, and so we get, we get so fixated and, you know, we, we see this even in our, in our own marketing efforts as a company where we run a bunch of ads, someone comes inbound, it looks organic search, maybe SEO, but it's actually at the result of an ad. We just don't know that because they switch devices or whatever. And I never really thought about that. That's happening all the time for organizations uh, and, and donors where they're not able to properly attribute it because of these changes or the user changing devices or whatever it might be. And you also said something uh, around just blogging and, and keeping your website, you know, dynamic. Like how important is it for organizations to have a dynamic living website versus, you know, something that maybe gets updated once every six months or so? I think it's so important. And I think one of the things that, you know, I think one of the th great things about having a, a website that's dynamic and, and a, a blog that, you know, like whether it's your news or um, your your blog for that to stay dynamic and updated is that it is, again, you don't need to just look at individual blog posts and say, oh, we put so much effort into one individual blog post. What's the return on that one, one blog post? I think it's more of a mentality of you are building your narrative across the board and it is so much more efficient actually and so much more worthwhile to be putting that effort today as opposed to repeat it every single day in a, in, a, in a different email, in a different phone call, in a different manual repeated way in that sense. Mm. I think you know, so many nonprofits where someone might be referencing a blog post that someone read from two years ago or from a, a year ago, or it's ironic that I'm kind of referencing that, but it's, it's to say that everything that you're doing from two years ago, a year ago, and every day has its relevance today and then into the future. Totally. I think it's more so important to build it into your skill sets as an organization. It, it takes skill sets. People think that if you just have a camera, you're a photographer. That's not true. If, you, if people think that if you have a website and a blog post, now you're a publishing, you know, powerhouse. Uh, sure, you have the tools to do it, but you, you, people need to recognize that there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve of the approval process. If it's painful to get approval process on, on, on everything that's being written for a blog post, it will only get easier as they do it more often. It's not mm -hmm. going to get harder when they do it more often. And when they learn how to do that, when you're doing that so consistently and so frequently, that's when you actually have a legitimacy of a voice to contribute when, when special events happen. Yep. If, if when people are just take completely quiet offline for six months, and then whether, uh, you know, political events take place, life events, anything, anything that happens, and then they're like, okay, we need to make a statement, you know? And then it's not only does it come across as disingenuous, it's just, it's actually a lot harder for them to know how do we roll this out? How do we write this? How do we find our voice? Totally. So I think it's definitely just an exercise on 
you know, a healthy way of external communication. And it could be a great tool to actually engage. A blog can be a great place for people across programming and different teams outside of just communications or online fundraising to contribute to the sto- overall story of the organization and what they're working on. Yeah. I, I, you know, what you say there, it reminds me, um, a fundraiser for World Vision once told me the reason why he was so successful is because he became an expert in the problem that the organization was solving. And, uh, and so when he would go to donors and in his particular sort of realm was water, water sanitation, he was a go-to expert and donors trusted this individual because, you know, he was able to speak to all the nuances and, and, and so forth. I uh, saw this play out at Liberty in North Korea as well. An individual uh, on staff that runs our Korea office, he's the go-to source for most media outlets when it pertains to, you know, current events happening in North Korea, needs analysis because Link has spent many years blogging and writing about you know, the, uh, what, what's happening and what this means, you know, and so forth. And so I've seen that play out, um, in, in a few different ways and, and totally agree that the significance here is you stay relevant, you become a voice. And when the, when opportunity comes, you're, you're remembered because of, of the work that you, that you put in. So yeah, thank you for that. That, that was, that's, that, that was, I never connected that necessarily to blogging, but that like triggered a few memories that I had like, Oh, that's, that's probably what led to some of these, you know, these successes. Okay. So a couple more questions before we wrap up. Thank you so much again for for being here. This has been super helpful. I know it's going to be helpful for so many nonprofits, but for organizations maybe who who don't have the budgets to maybe run a full-scale rebrand or a brand new website, where should they get started? They're hungry, you know, they want to have a better online presence, but they don't have necessarily today maybe the budget for it. Where do they get started? Where would you recommend or advise that they start? My answer to that and and again, might not be super intuitive, but really hire the right people first even if your resources are very limited. Ultimately, I think organizations are going to be successful when they have the right team in place. Even if they go and kind of fundraise and ask their board or get a grant and then have enough money to put it into a website, it really starts with, do they have the right team members? So what that means is it's so much better to have the right person with limited capacity as opposed to the wrong person with a lot of capacity. This is not to say you know anything negative about for example, people that are junior or, or interns in general, we have a lot of great interns, a very like reliable internship program at, at Medeo. But you can't just, you know, it would be better for you to find the right consultant, the right agency, the right team that is willing to work with you, even if it's few hours in a given month, but you have the right experts to be partnering with you. And then as your resources increase, then you're increasing, you know, the capacity for those excellent consultants to be working with you. So much better than to say, let's just get one junior communications associate and let them wear the hat of a writer and the hat of like a website developer and a designer. And, uh, and they're going to be our, you know, know all be all of, of all things. That poor communications associate is, is just running around trying to troubleshoot everything. They don't have the room to grow to learn. And, and if there's any nonprofit that has experienced seeing those, those junior team members get burnt out and then leave after a year or two, and then they have to start all over again, it's because they also haven't invested in them to have that kind of mentorship or learning. You know, you're, when you work with the right consultant or you work with the right agency, you're also having a lot of influence and exposure. Your team is going to learn from those people in terms of working with them. So a lot of times when we 
we work with a nonprofit, let's say, that, that has a lot of limited resources. Instead of jumping straight into the big project, we invite them where we get to work with them first on an ongoing basis to really investigate one kind of small piece of a program after another. You know, maybe the let's start with uh, just looking at the, the what email tool they're using, just how their email program is like. Uh, we would look at the different programs that are connected. We would kind of focus in on at least resolving some critical issues and then kind of start to ramp up as you validate that we're the right team, that things are working, to invest further and further into a full rebrand or a new website. Some of the projects that people look at when they visit MedeoStudio.com or like they visit Medeo and they they see our, our clients, there's a lot more of an interesting backstory to a lot of them. A lot, you know, they, you look at a, something like uh, our, re, you know, a rebrand of a nonprofit. A lot of the times we actually, nonprofits come to us and say, we want to rebrand. And we say, don't. Uh, let us actually work with you with your existing brand for a little bit. Let's figure out why we need to rebrand. Let's figure out the underlying kind of structure of things. We've gone as far as sometimes work with clients for two, three years before we're saying, you know what, I think it's a good time to actually rebrand now. And there's a lot of support now built up over that time um, within the organization. And this very clear laser focused idea of why we need to rebrand and towards what. Man, that there is so much gold in what you just said. <laughs> I, I've met so many fundraisers that are also the in charge of the website, in charge of the copy, in charge of social media. I think that what sets a 21st century nonprofit apart from the rest are ones who specialize in their craft. Uh, and these are the organizations that you are seeing that can compete with brands like Nike or Levi's or, you know, insert any other major for-profit brand is organizations who are putting the people in the roles that they deserve to be in, that they are specialized, highly crafted in. These are nonprofits that will succeed in, in these areas. And I just love, I love that, that point you made there because I think that that is um, so important. And I also love your guys' approach to rebranding. I mean, and, and it, it would be, you know, it's, it's, it's so honest, I, th I feel, because the bigger project obviously is, is going to pay better. But to first say, like, let's see really what's wrong here. Let's understand, let's get a baseline of seeing where can we improve and, and you know, what, where sh what should we tackle first? I just love that approach and imagine, you know, it, it leads to very happy customers because you're getting to know really the, the pain points um, in, in, a, in a very honest way. Thank you. You're being very kind, but uh, <laughs> but it's very true. It's, it's very very true. I think like I think it's a two. It's really just different approaches. Everyone that joined Medeo is of the mindset that when we work with with an organization, um, we're becoming their partners. And with very select few, we don't. You know, it's not like something we just say to every nonprofit. But with very 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 select few, is where we see ourselves building a career. And just like anybody else that wants to actually build a career in a company or organization over the long haul, if that's your culture. That's how you're going to approach it. Hmm. If your culture is, you know, how, more on the side of like a gig approach of how hmm. do I get to accumulate more logos to put on my website of clients and, and add to my uh, website and portfolio and name drop to future clients, then it's not, um, then it's, then, then our Medeo approach is not very effective because we take a long, you know, like we, we work with a few people over the long haul, have that kind of patience that you would if you really join a company and want to build something for, for the long term. I love it. So, um, for nonprofits listening, I know they're, they're, they're like, how do we get in touch? How do we hire Medeo to take on our online projects? So, what's the best way for, for organizations to get in touch? 
Thank you. Yeah, any organization that, that, that wants to get in touch, please don't be shy. Just go to our website. It's medeostudio.com. Go to the contact page. You have an email. It's hi at medeomedia.com. And we're also very active on Instagram. We kind of really like Instagram as a medium. It's also very visual. And we share a lot on Instagram, not just featured projects or polished case studies. We actually raise a lot of questions that we're having uh, that, that we're debating. We share work in progress. We share kind of more behind the scenes of what it takes to actually create something. So we're on Instagram as well. The handle is Medeo Studio. These are the, but if you look at stuff online, just get in touch. Don't be shy. We're friendly. <laughs> we'll, we're always just of the mindset of like having a conversation first and seeing if there's a, a good fit. We're, we're also very open to listening and to kind of sharing some advice, even if we're not prof- like officially hired. Awesome. Rami, well, thank you so much uh, for spending this hour with us. Uh, lots of lots of gold, lots of wisdom has been dropped. Excited to get this out and share it with with the community. So thanks for joining us, and we look forward to following your guys' journey and uh, continuing to uh, to work on our mutual clients together. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, excited for more. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.